KRX, Tim Crispin, you're listening to Road to the Skeleton Coast. Brandon Kelly. Brandon, what's going on, Bubba? How are you? Uh, I'm okay, man. Um, I don't know, not much to say. I've been doing my various other jobs uh, a lot lately, and uh, today is one of those rare days where I feel kind of productive. It's really throwing into relief how much I've let my body and soul go to seed um <laughs> you know but uh other than that i think i'm pretty good man how are you doing i'm doing all right a little scattered this week doing a lot of uh picking things up and then just leaving them and starting something else that's where my brain's at right now yeah that's a habit that my wife's very into uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk any shit whatsoever, but uh, yes, that's something I'm familiar with, how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited to dive back in to Skeleton Coast. The last couple episodes that we've done of this thing have been so great. I got back on the line with Chris. We're going to hear from him again this week. Awesome. Talking tracks. And... uh, well, I was going to say that we had a great conversation that's over on our Patreon, but it's sort of in the ether. But we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And um, you can go over there and hear a lot of great stuff, hear interviews with uh, some of uh, our friends, friends of the show, and also hear... Um, some conversations that we just have that are just like sort of a little bit more esoteric than talking specifically about these records. And, uh, it's pretty fun. Um, for example, we just eulogized, uh, Larry Flint, who you probably think was already dead many, (laughs) many years ago. Turns out he just died yesterday. Um, but he's been looking dead for years. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) I kept up my, my, good run on twitter whenever somebody dies i try to do a pun about them dying with their name i um i did um tom Deddy. <laughs> um i don't get it Deddy van halen <laughs> um and i always happen to just like get it like write it like before anyone's even I don't know what it is. Like, I think maybe my algorithm is just like, ooh, a death. This guy <laughs> loves that shit, you know? <laughs> then, um, ooh, Dustin Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> uh, Barry Flint. <laughs> you know? Fantastic so, stuff. So yeah, it's sort of it's sort of my bit over there. Um, if you like that kind of thing, a little casual disrespect for the dead, uh, <laughs> you know, head over to at Bad Sandwich on Twitter and follow me. Yeah, give him a follow, tweet at him, say hey, you know who you got to follow at Better Get Pod. Yeah, that's one true. One day, one day, one day. Some someday it'll all come together. Hey. You know what I did this morning, Brennan? I listened to you and Matt Marty and a Better Sandwich alumnus, Mr. Toby Jegg, talk about the state of Washington. The actual state, not like the 
like the current being of Washington. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah, that um that was a fun episode. Um I think that um what Tim is referring to is that I do even another podcast called uh They Come to America and it's about the fifty states and it's casual stories about things that have happened to us and our guests in each of the fifty states and it's it's breezy and quick and fun and it's more comedic in nature. It's not really terribly fact based. Uh although there are some factoids. That I did follow. learn a lot about Washington from Toby. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh and and it's 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 a it's a really fun little project and uh on our little network that we're on, which is the Comedy Here Often Network, started in Canada and it's a oh. newer podcasting network. We are the number one podcast. So, uh wherever you can find your podcast uh check it out well we're we don't believe in being you know num- who's number one as far as the better yet network goes but right of course we've got but this. i mean mm-hmm. but th- but this is totally the number one uh oh, podcast so on the <laughs> yet network. <laughs> what do you think what do you think we're going to call it as you were a podcast about alkaline trio with david anthony <laughs> I'm pulling in I'm pull I pull in the big names. Um uh better yet this week uh Anika Pyle and I spoke. Oh nice. She's the best. We talked about her new record, Wild River, which is out now. It's the best thing she's done. And she's done a lot of great records. That's true. She has done a lot of great records. Um I'm much more Friendly with her partner, I believe that's the uh, language that they use, um, Roger, mm-hmm. than I am with Anika, but I've I've always enjoyed being around Anika. Not so sure she's always enjoyed being around me, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, that that's because she considers me to be a toxic bad influence uh on her <laughs> um, male compatriots <laughs> well you gotta be used to that vibe uh, yep i am and that's <laughs> why i think that yeah but i i think she's great and i think she's very talented and wonderful and anybody anybody that loves roger i love that there you go i roger harvey has uh Saved my life many a time, and um, can't say enough good things about the man. So we wrapped up uh, Side A last week with The Demon, and I was wondering, when you're sequencing records, how conscious are you of the vinyl The album split? Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, the way... It works in my head is that I'll come up with the sequence and then there will be one or two places where the album split could happen because mm-hmm. the songs are generally short. I mean, with this record, the, the, the record is short, you know, like yeah. you can, you can fit a lot more time on a 12 inch. I mean, we could have the, we could have the album split at like after 
don't look at me and just had Coyote Crown on side two, you know? I mean, yeah. it would have made side A sound like shit, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's something that we could have technically done. Um, so there is a consciousness that goes into it, but it's more on the back end. Mm-hmm. Like you sequence the whole thing and go, all right, does the split go here or does the split go here? Yeah. You know, I don't, I no longer do the thing where back in the day it used to be, um, it would go third best song first, fifth best song second, arguably best song third, Whoa. arguably second best song fourth, first song on the second side, arguably best or second best song. Whoa. That's the way that it used to be. It went that's how it went in your head, or that's like somebody passed that along to you. I learned it from bad religion albums. Yeah. Makes a lot um, of sense. And and then, you know, from there I saw it and everything. But then it's like you look at like something like Minor Threat discography and it's like first song. Literally every song is the best song. (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, it's, yeah. So, um, so anyway, I don't do it like that anymore. I don't put the potential second best song on the beginning of side two on purpose anymore at mm-hmm. all. Although on this one, it's Ghost Rider, which is a great song. Totally. Um, one of the, I don't know. I mean, like, I think that I've heard from people, like pretty much every song on this record, people have said like, that's their favorite song. So yeah, I, my, with the exception of maybe, uh, my favorite song on the record, uh, but anyway, we'll get into that later. Um, I'd rather... Mm-hmm. Cookie crumbs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be thinking about that formula for the rest of eternity. I was looking at... I was thinking about this, and I checked to make sure, but the split for Greatest Story is... Uh, uh, Chapter 13 is the last song on side A, and then is it Hesitation Station? Is the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's such a funny split because I think that's the first eight tracks, including the intro, is side one, and then nine through 14 is side two, right? Well, I guess I don't know what's funny about that. Uh, the idea was that, that both sides would end with the same line. Whoa. Yeah. That makes so much sense. How do Record you do that? Sequencer. You know, there should be a TV show where it's just it's just about how you come up with your tweets about dead people and in the way <laughs> you sequence Lawrence Arms records. Yeah, I think we're making it right now. It's just <laughs> nobody has to look at how ugly I am. It's fine. <laughs> so, first song, side B, uh, 
ghostwriter. And hey, I know that we talked about your bass on uh, yeah, that that other song that Chris sings. Like, this is uh, this is the one where I was like, oh ho ho ho! Listen to that bass. That's probably because you're a lot more active, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know what it was about this song, but there's something in in it that made me just immediately want to. I think maybe I've said this before uh, that like some of these demos I didn't visualize quite right, mm-hmm. and I think I kind of saw the acoustic demo of this and was like, it's just like jing 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 ba 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 ba, and I was like, all right, someone's got to make something happen here, mm-hmm. and then of course like when we come in, Chris is going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like doing that, like Greg Ginn wildness, you know, that he's like awesome and known for, uh, awesome at and known for, I should say. And, um, but then I already had this baseline written. Right. And, uh, and it's like definitely like one of the more, um, like, I can't play like Chris Number Two plays uh, from um, our Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Better Sandwich. Yes, uh-huh. from our Patreon. Yes, he's the he's the, he's the house bass player in our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I can't play like he, he does. But this is like as adjacent as yeah. I get to that, I guess. And, um, so I really slaved over this baseline a lot. I mean, I slaved over a lot of the baselines on this because we were rehearsing alone, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I was down in my basement. I have a little practice amp over there that I borrowed from uh, Dan Tinkler, like, over a year ago. Uh, it's fine because he's got my guitar mm-hmm. amp in his house, so I think. And my guitar amp was way fucking nicer than this fucking baseline. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, but... um and I would just sit down here and play the demos and play along to them and just try to make it as cool as I possibly could. And this is the one that was the sort of the most florid, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. And uh, and I've told this story before, but when we got in the studio and I started playing it, Matt and Neil were like, this these notes don't work and i was like but they're in the key and they're like yeah but we don't like them and i was like but but i wrote it that way Uh and they're like no and and then they told me to rewrite it and i re i rewrote it and uh they told me to do specific things and i brattily refused to do those things and I realized I was being a bitch, but I wanted it to be mine, you know? Like, I wanted to have my own, like... I didn't want there to be somebody else's footprint on my baseline just because they told me to rewrite it and, like, we're, like, standing over What does that look like? Do. Uh, almost exactly, like, what you would imagine it looks like. Like, me sitting on a chair and them kind of both being... Standing over me being like, do it like this. 
go here and here and here and like mm-hmm. touching the bass, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, and that was actually that was actually maybe the theme of this entire song for me, which was I went in. This was the first song to sing back and vocals on. It was an ambitious choice to start with, but we've always just been very arbitrary mm-hmm. with that kind of thing. I came in, I started singing really high, um, but also, like, high and blown out, like, the way, like, I sing, like, on a lot of this record, and Matt was like, I don't think you need to sing like that at all during these backing vocals, and I was like... Man, I kind of invented what this fucking shit sounds like, you know, <laughs> like, like my back vocals on Christmas songs. Not like the sound of the Lawrence Arms, although I mean, I guess there's an argument that I, I don't, I don't accept that argument. Um, but but you're you gonna know, acknowledge, but, but it. like, <laughs> my well, I, I just, I just mean if like, uh, no, I, I, I rescind mm. all of that, but like. But the thing is, it's like, you know, we've done all these things. Like, the way Chris sings on my songs, the way I sing on his songs, it's like, that's his authorship. That's my authorship. Like, like you're, you're oh, oh, no. I, yeah, this shit wasn't popular back in the day. And we did it, and now it's popular, you know? Like, uh, like sometimes you got to trust me, but... Here's the thing. In this case, he's right. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, I think I was also maybe beaten down by the the time restraints of being in a studio like that. Where, like, the... I mean, the the dollars were, like, ticking away with yeah. the clock, you know? And, and we didn't have the option of, like, staying an extra mm-hmm. day or whatever. Like, we had plane tickets. We had... Um, other people had the studio mm-hmm. time. You know, um, there was about to be a pandemic. <laughs> You're like, I can't wait till I get uh, home but, so I can text Tim. Yeah, exactly. But, but so I think that maybe I, I don't know that I let my voice warm up quite as much for this as I should have, and like because I wanted to do some of that, like don't stay too late, uh-huh. like that kind of like uh, um, yeah. fireflies type shit. On this song, Oof. throughout the whole thing, just got but goosebumps what thinking ended about up... that harmony. <laughs> but the thing is, that what happened instead was, due to the pressure of the entire thing, not anybody in particular. Um, we. This is a kind of the only one that I actually do harmonize mm. on, really. The other songs I sing backing vocals on, I just sort of um, double. And that was like, because this was so contentious, I think, for all of us, that like once I went into the yeah. other stuff, like during this one, I would do something and it would be like a double. And I'd be like, yeah, I wanted it to be a double. And it would be like... 
what's the point of doing a vocal if it's double? And I was like, eh, it'll be cool. And like, I don't know what it was about recording the backing vocals for this song, but I'm a hundred percent willing to say that it mm-hmm. was me, you know, just being obstinate or difficult. Cause that seems like what I was during this entire song, actually, even though it's not, I don't think usually my role in the studio, but maybe I, who, what the fuck do I know about what I'm like? <laughs> um, but, but, uh, the, so then after that, when I started doing the backing vocals that were just more like straight mm-hmm. doubling and they were like, sounds great. Sounds perfect. <laughs> I think they just, there was just a, a desire to get me through the grist uh-huh. mill or whatever. Do you think maybe you're like, maybe extra sensitive with the backing vocals on this song just because this was the song that you had shit with the bass. So. Um, I don't know that. I don't think I compartmentalize it that way. Like, I think that's like a more of like a vertical compartmentalization as opposed to a horizontal. Um, just use like a, easy spatial yeah. metaphor but like um I, I think that uh i mean you could be totally right like fuck do i yeah totally i mean like my psychology could be uh more twisted than i know um that's probably what a lot of people would say about me oh. <laughs> i mean i think that that's how that's how most people work look at ahab you got obsessed with the the one whale. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, but but the long and short of this is that, like, what ended up happening was this is the most ambitious baseline and backing vocals on mm-hmm. this album mm-hmm. that I do. You know, and uh, well, I do all the baselines, but, but not with <laughs> ambition. <laughs> that's right most of it is done lazily through a cloud of cheeto cheeto dust and miller light um but uh but so yeah i mean this is a great song that chris wrote it sort of in a weird way as the title track i mean not that weird of a way i mean it says the title of the album right. in it but you know, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I guess I wanted to really come with it for this one. And it came too hard. Um, put my mark on it. And no, I think it worked out great in the end. I mean, I think that the end result is good. And, you know, this was just the, I tend to be pretty fast in there. Like whether I'm singing or playing the mm-hmm. bass or whatever, it's like, I'm in and out pretty fast, and uh, I take the, I would say the least amount of time of anybody in the band mm-hmm. to do stuff, and I'm sure there's people out there that are like, yeah, no shit, because you stink, okay. but, you know, uh, it is the I've case. been in that situation before so, where you're, like, kind of having to uh, record a take, and you can get a little like you know hung up on 
it not going well. And that is like a tough space to be in because it gets very self-defeating very quickly. Yeah, and it also like turns into like a whole thing where like then there's someone trying to help you. Oh, which is the war. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like moving their hands up and down. Or then there's somebody else being like, no, you're doing great. And it's just like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Just let me do it again. You know, and I'm not speaking just for myself. I mean, that's anybody that's ever like done uh, vocal mm-hmm. take in a booth. Like that. It's not even mostly me. <laughs> you know, but I, I've seen it in like every studio situation I've ever been in where like, you know, it's like there's the helpful person who's causing just as much harm. And then there's like the nurturing person causing just as much harm mm-hmm. as the helpful person. <laughs> oh, the whole thing is, but it's hard. It's like. You know, the human voice is, it's a human instrument. It's like a boner. It's like the second you start to be, somebody starts to be like, how come it's not working? It's not working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it was going to, but now you've asked and you've ruined it. Yes. I'm going to go now, but you did this to me. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that situation, too, because it's like you have you have two people who are helping out. And if you're going to lash out, if you're going to be rude, it is 100 percent going to be to the wrong person. Not that there's a right one, but it is definitely whoever's no. like trying to help you the most. You're going to like I I feel like infantilized. And then I'm just like, well. Yeah. No, no, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of... uh, You know what it's like, man, is like... um, Do you know when, like, a manager goes out to remove a starting pitcher, specifically Mm -hmm. a starting pitcher, in MLB, what he's saying is, well, I'm going to get you the fuck out of here. And what the pitcher's response is is like, this is what they're saying behind their gloves. It's like, no, fuck you. Fuck you. You're not yeah. going to take me out of here. I'm going to show you that I can do this. Fuck off. And it is in that, like, sort of the um, vehemence of their uh, mm-hmm. reply that is like, go fuck yourself, that the manager determines whether or not they're really supposed to still be in the game and it there's a lot similar there you know like when someone's like all right this isn't really working and it's like all right fuck you run it again no i don't want to hear it i don't know okay i got it yeah uh uh uh, gotcha run it again (laughs) you want to ask like at the at the beginning of this series like so why why always Matt Allison? It's like here's here's why. <laughs> this is the only way we're gonna get through this. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's uh, let's take it over to Chris 
and then we'll be right back. We talked about Ghost Rider in in the um, in relation to the yeah. album, um, but one one thing that jumped out to me getting the getting the lyric sheet was like, is that a is that a Poe reference? Is that Tamerlane? <laughs> Hell yeah! That totally man is uh that poem's a doozy. What a Thanks. sad song. Um, yeah, Tamerlane. Yeah, like again, playing off this like mystery writer thing and like figuring out the scene and the themes and what was working and like realizing that like you know I don't know like the creaking floors and everything was just like screaming like Poe mm-hmm. to me and then wanting to find a way to really like check it for real like yeah. uh, and. Uh, it works, I think, because I figured out how to drop, like, like the line being, like, Tamerlane, my poor soul, in the last refrain. And mm-hmm. it just, again, it's, like, the math of the syntax and the sounds and how, I w- like, I could get to where I wanted to be using those, you know, like, using that anchor. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and yeah, again, this this whole like mystery writer, you know, uh, walled off from the world, remote quality, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was was really something I wanted to like, yeah, just just amplify as much as possible and like use those references as a way to do that. I guess. What do you What do you think it is about like? I feel like your fascination with the writer in exile goes you know, back to uh, Bulgakov and like that yeah. era of the band. Um, you know, have you, have you analyzed like what it is about like that image or like that story that really just like gets you going? Wait, say that again. I guess just like that. Like, have you, have you thought, or you know do you have thoughts on like what it is about that you know that story that type of story of the, of the writer in exile like yeah i mean i guess it's just always something that's like popped up in a lot of like the novels that i've like i loved for so long you know like in college reading yeah reading Bol- bolgakov i just think there's probably a ton of examples that i can't necessarily think of off the top of my head but um but yeah, I think there's like uh, there's certainly a thread there in my creative life that I've just encountered so much of those things that I loved, and I think also probably, um, you know, I I think over time I tend to, you know, I wouldn't say I'm like a like crazy crazy private person or anything, but I tend to be pretty happy on my own, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like or just like uh, like making stuff in my own zone, uh, you know. Uh, um, so maybe like there's part of me that I guess like relates a little bit to that in some way personally. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. you know, it's just like worked for me in my life, I think here and there. And, um, I, I've enjoyed getting away from things in my life. 
uh, in different ways. And so I don't know, maybe that there's some overlap in that, but certainly Bolkov is always like a huge favorite of mine in school. And like, I was, um, uh, yeah, just always, you know, like just always such a huge fan and, and, um, so I mean, maybe that's just always been kind of a thread a little bit in, in how I think, think about, you know, making stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I love the falsetto, just that lead into the, into the chorus. How did, how did that come out? Did you, did it just make sense? You just knew that like, this is the way to, I was just, I was working with the part and I, I had the chorus and I actually built a lot of the song based on that. Uh Um, so I was trying to like actually figure out the puzzle to make that work and make it fit because I liked the falsetto and like the reply. And so I was just like figuring out how, like, okay, how can I make this work? How can I make this work? And I tried a lot of different ways and like finally got to a place where I was like, okay, I can have this, I can make the falsetto work. I can have it as the chorus. It feels weird. It feels kind of, you know, it still feels like me, but it feels a little weird and off also. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of both those things. Um, this is also, I f- feel like more than half of these songs have a fire reference and I, yeah, I there's really definitely like a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that second verse, just like that last line leading into the chorus is just, that's one of those that once you get out to fucking play these things, people are going to be real stoked to just pile <laughs> yeah, in on that sure. one. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. How to ride. Yeah. This is a lyrically a very interesting piece that you have here yeah it's um <laughs> there's a lot going on here um the sort of at the real crux of it is the idea that like Whereas the uh, in terms of like the American political economy or whatever, the the right wing is a just like huge united front, um, and mm-hmm. the left is like this fract- fractious, um, infighting battleground. Um, Mm-hmm. is is where it is where it begins right um and and really what it is i mean but there's there's more to it than that because it's also it's just about like sort of like the futility of hope or whatever mm-hmm. and uh and that's that's also like a, a huge part of it but like you know in the beginning It's people calling out each other for being posers, basically. Yeah. You know, theoretically, Fidel was right. 
you're not a resistor, right? Like, mm-hmm. he pumps with his left, but he leads with his right, which makes you goofy-footed, right? <laughs> um, in, in a skateboard sense. Yeah, I'm goofy-footed. Uh, yeah, well, you're not a resistor. Uh, <laughs> Adele said then, that? Yeah, and then... What specifically, like, though, is, uh, like, are you referring to with, with Fidel? Uh, no, nah, it's just, like, the idea of, like, it, it kind of was, like, a bit of a more fun take on, like, in theory, communism is, uh, works, Marge. Uh-huh, yeah. In theory, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, like, I wasn't, like, really trying to nail down the socio-political, like, economic okay. uh structure of uh castro's cuba or anything like that but i guess i just know very little about like castro as uh a thinker more no i know a lot about him as a guy in a t-shirt and that's what i'm talking about Mm. Mm -hmm. okay so we're talking about the same thing Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um and and like and then you know Oh no! Yeah, well, Castro's on some T-shirts too, and they are homies. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, no, you're right. I was thinking of Che as a brain. What do you call it? A brain fart that slipped into being a little brain diarrhea, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, but sharded. Yes, uh, Matt Allison's always called that, uh, and I think it's so much funnier. Gambled and lost. <laughs> uh, we call it we call it a fudgy. And, the, uh, I don't like, I don't like that. School. I'll tell you what. Oh yeah, we. I don't know what. I don't know what wins, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you that fudgy is not my choice. Um, but but so so yeah, um, and then. I mean, it immediately gets into, like, you know, entropic social thread flames. You know, that's like fucking uh, fucking crazy echo chamber on Twitter that you're, like, arguing into. That just, like, devolves into entropy. And then, and then it's the argument. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. This seems like, like it was very inspired by like the primaries. Uh or maybe I just know. like the build through the last few years of like how are we gonna beat this fucker? No, I think it's it's just more a very, very general um dissatisfaction with how The the left prioritizes small things rather than large things. And I mean, like, Mm -hmm. there's something beautiful about that as well, because that's how you end up with, like, a, I don't know, trans-Latino spelling league or something like that. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like. And and I think that's like really awesome and important, but like, there's also like the Christian Bible shooting school, 
you know, but it, it they're, they're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't come at the expense of the rest of like right wing policy or whatever. Like, you know, there's not like there's not people taking each other down or whatever. And and that's sort of a little bit of what this I mean, that's that's more exactly what this song is about. The the love I wanna feel for my fellow revolutionaries and the fact that like we're fighting different revolutions and that mm. maybe it can never be um maybe they can never be rectified and you know, they can never form Voltron. Uh yeah. you know. And um <laughs> Yeah, but there's, yeah, this is a wild song. Um, interesting to record. I mean, that guitar part that Chris does is difficult. It's not hard to do on the bass, very hard to do on the guitar. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is he just playing one note? Yeah, yeah. And we did that, and it was like, we should do this because Naked Raygun. You know, it's like, that's... Yes, yeah. And and then there's a point where it was like, this is taking a while. And then we were all like, no, Naked Raygun. Like, that's what we're doing here. Uh-huh. You know? I love that. Did that idea come up in the studio, or did you go in with... No, it was... I actually think that maybe even on the acoustic demo, I did it like a very bad version of it. Yeah. On an acoustic guitar. Like I wanted it to, I mean, it's got that like Ray Gunny. Mm-hmm. I'm not, 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 you know, like, and that was, that was the idea. And I, I guess the fact that it didn't turn out sounding like naked Ray Gun is, a testament to both Naked Raygun and to us, you know, and mm-hmm. because all the fucking equipment was there, but it's like, you can't, you can't fucking be Naked Raygun and the Lawrence Arms can't sound like anyone else. So <laughs> there you go, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like this one. This is one of my favorites. It features a joke in it which i think is pretty fun yeah <laughs> pretty fun and i mean too if you count the the drill tweet yeah but i mean like yes but that tweet is also like so salient to the whole thing which is like mm-hmm. you know like yeah i might i'm on your team you know how funny this is like that you're gonna like fucking walk into hell backwards and flip me off <laughs> even though i'm on your team you fucking idiot like uh you know it's it's all part of the same thing but it just you know there's like i played this at first for my friend tim who's in uh, not you tim uh, another tim uh i know about who, this tim yeah <laughs> he's in the great band canadian rifle Oh, and, I was um, thinking of a different Tim. But I do know that Tim. Well, kind of. I know. I've and, seen and, his band uh, a lot. Oh, this is good. No, go on. Let's do like five minutes on how you might know this Tim. <laughs> uh, 
Um, <laughs> but uh, but I played I played I played the like when I first got the masters back or whatever. I played it for him, and he was like digging that song. And then he was like, I don't like this at all. When it got to the, like, the weird, like, outcasty part. Yeah. Right? Because that was what it was supposed to be. That's, like, why my bass line's like, boom, ding, boom, bang, boom, boom, Right? Like, it's it's supposed to be, like, have that, like, sort of, I don't know what you call it, dungeon family, like, baseline sound. Yeah. And, uh. And, like, we definitely searched and found, like, the flangiest flange pedal that was in the whole Sonic Ranch for that part as well. It was just, like, turn it up, turn it up. And then when I sang it, you think it'd be R, but it'd be the C, right? Um, And then I was like, but I want you to, like, modulate that higher. And Matt did it. And it sounded like... It almost was like auto tune. Like if you modulate it just a little bit higher, mm-hmm. everything just sounds a little more in tune. Yeah. And uh and I was like, no, 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 no. Ridiculously high so it sounds cartoonish. Uh-huh. As high as it possibly goes. You know, and that's that's what ended up there. And and it was I mean, it's just nothing more than a tip of the hat to Outcast. Yeah, who are like, are like, all three of us. Oh, I think a huge debt of gratitude to Outcast and their like visionary songwriting, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, Tim from Canadian Rap was like, I hate that. I hate it so much. You're <laughs> and, like, I knew you would. Yeah, <laughs> I. I So that's a flange. That's not a vocoder. Uh, what on my voice? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, on my voice. I think it's just like, yeah, it's like a high modulated flange. Um, interesting. But the thing is that Tim has since come around, and that's his favorite song on the record, and he loves that part. (laughs) So, (laughs) so that's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. This is a weird one. I mean, it's very short and it's got a lot going on and, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how much to get into all of it there is, but like, man, it's, oh, there's plenty. Cause I, I love like the way that. So look at the sales part comes in because it feels like so triumphant, but that doesn't last for more than a couple lines. And then it's immediately like the whale's going to take us out. Like when you talk about hope, there is this like moment of like, oh, okay, we we got this. But also it's like, yeah, we're just going to descend into hell now. Yeah. And I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing, right? It's like the... It's like you're. I mean, to use a very lazy pop culture metaphor, it's Star Wars, right? If you're looking at like the left against the Empire, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's like you look out at the sea from the bar where Brandy is serving you, 
you know, because mm-hmm. um, you're a sailor, and so you go to a bar by the bay. You look out at the ships, like, going out to attack the Empire. And even the mightiest vessel is no match for the whales, you know? And, it's, you know, and then you push on to the, the Leviathan song. That's them. You're still singing their song. You know, like, uh, you're still singing whose song? The, the Leviathan, the man, uh-huh. like, you, you know, you, <laughs> you think it'd be R, but it'd be the C, man. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, and it, and then just like, and also I'd really like to bang the waitress, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> but I mean that is that. I mean that's first of all the idea of the song Brandy was a songwriting exercise that I brought into this whole thing that I wanted to utilize like a time or two, um, because I just love it so much and we love it as a band so much. That song in particular, Brandy, you're a fine girl. Yeah, by Looking Glass. Uh-huh. Of the Jersey Shore. Ooh. Yeah. Hanging out with Dude. Bruce. Southside Johnny. Did I Did I tell you the story of when I hit this dude up from Looking Glass? No. <laughs> it's great, man. I found him on like Twitter, no, not Twitter. Well, I found him on Twitter, but his Twitter was like inactive. And then I found him on Instagram and I hit him up and I was like, um, Mr. Lurie, is this you? Um, if so, I'd love to talk to you for a second about Looking Glass. Um, you know, nothing serious. I'm not like a creep or anything like that. I just wanted to share something with you. Mm-hmm. And I get back a DM, like, whatever, a few days later. And it's like, oh, by the way, his Instagram's got like 110 followers, something like that. Like, <laughs> You know, I mean, he's like just an old guy yeah. who doesn't, you know, yeah. I mean, he, he hasn't been in the public eye in a long time. And, um, and, I, uh, <laughs> and I get it back a DM and it says, yeah, I'm the Brandy guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wrote him this thing and I said, Oh man, your song has brought me a lot of joy, or the, your music has brought me a lot of joy. I didn't like keep it specific to a song. Do you know any other Looking Glass songs? Fuck yeah, there's uh, Brandy too. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we are Looking Glass. Yeah, no, I know. I don't know any other Brandy uh, Looking Glass songs, but. But so I'm like. 
your music has meant a lot to us. We're a band called the Lawrence Arms. Um, you know, and we recently did an album and several of the songs feature uh, nods to your song. It's just, or to your, your ovure, whatever uh-huh. you want to say, ovure. And, uh, and, uh, I just like wanted to take the time to say thank you. And not for nothing. I know I'm not trying to waste your time. Like we're actually a real band. Like we're on like kind of a major label and like we have real fans and stuff like that. Like Mm -hmm. I know that's not important necessarily, but just maybe it would make you, maybe make you smile to see that like this is getting out there to people or whatever, you know, yeah. something like yeah, yeah. that. I don't know. I don't know. Three days. Thanks. Check it out. <laughs> that was the response from him. <laughs> and, uh, check what out? No, like, thanks. Like I'll oh, check it I'll out. Check it but out. Okay. like, uh-huh. it, but even not even the time to put in aisle. <laughs> That's so funny. And uh, never heard back from, uh, what's his name, Peter Lurie, I believe. I think Peter Lurie is that guy from uh, Casablanca with the weird eyes. I'm not positive that they don't have the same name, then. Impossible. Do you have to, like, do you have to do any sort of, like, clearing for something like that? Like, or does Epitaph, do you let Epitaph know, like, hey, we use this line just in case? Um, no, I don't think that there's enough. Elliot Lurie, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think that there's enough um, intellectual property being sort of recycled there um, in an authentic way that mm-hmm. it could possibly mean anything. I mean, it's like, you know, Van Halen suing the Pointer Sisters for Jump. Bob Dylan suing Hootie and the Blowfish for whatever song. I don't know. I mean, yeah, Wagon Wheel. Uh-huh. Very interesting story about that song, but... We talked to that, about that on Patreon slash bettersandwich.com. Um, colon. But, dot colon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess like the, um, you, you kind of connected it, but it feels like, it feels so random to have, you know, the, the bridge and you know both parts of it within this you know sandwich about revolution yeah well you know i I guess i guess the thing is that like if you want to like boil it down to really like like one of those like steakhouse things on the wall where it's like the cuts of the cow and it just is like you know like ribeye you know but Mm -hmm. it's like still in the shape of the cow Mm -hmm. that it goes like uh righteous infighting 
um, shaming, recognizing that that went very poorly, (laughs) (laughs) then um, uh, understanding that we've been doing the wrong thing the whole time, leaning back on our own um, selfish desires, immediate self-flagellating regret. I am not, I am not, I am not, I am not. Yeah. After Brandy. And then... The sort of shaking it off and being like, you know, you know what? Fuck you guys. And like killing yourself to live, man. And I I think it's a defeatist song. I think, I mean, that's why it's called How to Rot, you Mm -hmm. know? It's not a song that's like a model for success. It's, it's, uh, this song is like, has its it's friend, like, you know, kind of leading him out of the bar just be like sorry sorry (laughs) no this is an angry song of of me this song is leading its friend out of the bar yeah this this fucking this song knows Mm -hmm. what's fucking going on and uh you know it's just goddamn disappointing but What are you going to do? Um. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's go over Chris for Under Paris and we will be back. I guess I'll bring us to under Paris, man, this yeah. is how like, how is it like you're getting any like decent feedback on our conversations or? Oh yeah, so for the folks listening at home, uh, this is it, you've been hearing Chris interspersed through the last few weeks of the pod, and that was from one sit down, and now we're a few weeks uh, removed from that, and we're uh, wrapping it up as far as Skeleton Coast goes, but dude, Chris, everybody's excited when they hear from you. Oh, well, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Try to pick my moments, you know? I mean, you're, you're very good at doing that. You're very good at just like saving it and then putting it, putting it out there in the (laughs) right form. And what writer form than talking to me? That's exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. So, under Store Paris. it all up for this. Under yeah. Paris. <laughs> oh, that's, that's sad. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> um, dude, this is, this is a track that I really liked when I first heard it, but it has just grown be one of my favorite songs of yours period cool um i guess just like starting with that phrase under paris when it comes in 
during the bridge, I mean, it's got such a fucking cool tone. Just that that phrase alone. Do you remember what sparked that? Is it like a catacombs reference? Yeah, I mean, I definitely was sort of an image of the catacombs. I think that was popping around in my head. Um, I part of what this song was kind of about and kind of goes back to what we were talking about last time with some of these, you know, slices of like short, short stories. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like this song was really a short story, a little bit in different, like in terms of just like the skeleton of the narrative about, um, like something happening, some events transpiring in a kind of post climate change world. Mm -hmm. And so under Paris was really part of, I guess what I was seeing in my head in terms of like the story uh, of, of, uh, of kind of being in this like exiled, like hideout uh, mm -hmm. under a city, but was also a little bit of a reference to, you know, the Paris climate, you know, accord. And um, so I was kind of playing with different ideas about what that might invoke and like, like how it might reference different elements of, of the narrative. And so I guess to refine that slightly is it's a little bit about like a, maybe imagined like love story in a post climate disaster Mm -hmm. world and you know part of what i was playing with was this idea that you know when some disaster happens and we get split apart you know mm -hmm. that you know this is where i'll be i guess a little bit yeah um, sort of like and there's a lot of ways out. to like yeah mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways to kind of like interpret it and it's certainly not like we've talked about before also it's like it's not a clear like you know this is what it's about this was like my full intention but those were the types of ideas i was fucking around with mm -hmm. was you know this idea again like like a love story in a post climate disaster world and you know how those how that story might you know in or my thinking about that story inform certain ideas themes and then actual words and images that started to populate the, the narrative in terms mm -hmm. of like the actual like the actual words in the body of the song yeah i feel like so many of the words that are in here just have a real like they can all stretch in a lot of different ways just the you know the idea of we are wolves it's like could be literally werewolves or it could just be like people who hang out at night and the world being on fire it can look a lot of different ways one uh significant one is the actual fact that yeah getting hot yeah and i think like you know i that's like why I don't, that's like the, that's the reason why I enjoy writing songs. It's like, I don't want to tell people what they're about, but you know, we're talking about this. And so I think it makes sense to like provide some context around how I 
arrived at certain things in my own like creative process. But like, that's what I like about this song and kind of what makes me excited to make things in general is that they feel very open for interpretation in that way. And also I feel like the actual lyrics in this song, they hint at a certain universe or story going on, but they're not so explicit Mm -hmm. that they are, um, that they aren't open for interpretation. Yeah. And so like, I like to try to ride that fence a bit in terms of, providing images and some, I, I guess like, like some kind of roadmap for what one might take from this, but it's like loosely defined in certain mm-hmm. ways. And I mean, I think like, you know, the chorus, I guess it's really like the bridge, you know, the I'll be singing your name, mm-hmm. um, you know, bridge, under Paris was really the, uh, I mean, you know, I guess in many ways, like the culminating line a little bit, you know, or just like yeah. wraps kind of like wraps the story mm-hmm. a bit. Um, but it was certainly intentional that it came in more of just a crescendo than being a, uh, repeating piece in the song, like a repeating segment, like an actual chorus. It's more of like a, like it was, it was intended to be like a moment of, of, uh, things really swelling and like apexing as opposed to, um, kind of like the core repetitive, right. You know, component of the song. Yeah, totally. Cause you've already got like two really strong, uh, moments of repetition with just like, the watch it burn section and we are wolves chase the same light of the moon. Um, I think to the, yeah, like, I was like going for like hook. I like, I like what I feel like I tried to do in a lot of the songs on this record was like hook build, mm-hmm. like, like, like trying to find the next hook on top of a hook. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and like, I really like, you know, like pop music and one of the things that I love about like listening to pop music is there's all these like really great, um, hooks on top of hooks. Like as soon as you think you got the hook, there's another one Mm -hmm. then. And like, they keep taking it to the next, the next thing, you know? like the next idea, the next, the, the hook that, that surprises you or that you didn't see coming on because you felt like you just got it and you maybe would just go back to yeah whatever, you know what I'm saying? So that was like part of like what I was trying to like a little bit construction wise, mm-hmm. trying to experiment with also. I feel like too, you have that vocal melody in the verse is so, cool it's so like you 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 know really put a lot of movement in there and then having those you know kind of i guess you'd call it like a pre-chorus and then a chorus that are just very based on repetition of a phrase it's Mm kind of nice to just like have all of this like swell and then like hook hook yeah we talk about the goo goo dolls a lot on this show and like Mm -hmm. man pre-chorus and a chorus 
It's fucking, that's the ticket. Yeah, definitely. And something that, you know, they do, they do really well on, I mean, hold me up was, was the seminal record for, mm-hmm. for us. Um, and when you go back and, and listen to some of those songs, like, there's a really like, yeah, they, there's a really like smart, but also there's a smart construction to a lot of them. Yeah. But they also follow a logic that's very digestible, totally. you know, uh, like they're fluid. Mm-hmm. And the idea is always to find, you know, it's like you're looking for something that feels right. And so yeah. it's not enough to just um, put great parts together. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, like there's totally. got to be a story. There's got to mm-hmm. be a fluidity. There's got to be some like momentum and logic and feel and hold me up i think captures that in a really great way and i would say even i mean i don't know if you've listened to the most recent google Dolls record I have. but uh, yeah. uh you have he's there's still moments there's still some really great moments and you know it's much more like pop rock music but uh I suppose for a gentleman of a certain age, it's uh-huh. it's, enjoy, it's enjoyable. <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> I could go on all day. I don't know if you know this, but when you were on Better Yet, the song that I used to open the episode was There You Are. From Which is a great, you know, really close to a perfect song. Dude, so good. I don't think he needs to say There You Are that many times in the chorus. But other than that... <laughs> Other than that, it was a different time, um, for real. <laughs> but under, I don't know. I think under, I was like very excited when I wrote this song, and when we were making it in the studio, I was a little concerned about how some of the instrumental parts were coming across. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm really happy with how it turned out, and yeah, I have a. I mean, I feel this way about a lot of the songs on the record, but there's, yeah, I don't know. There's a, I, I really like, I like this song. I, I think um, there's something, there's like an X factor to this song for me that I mm-hmm. feel like um, I was lucky enough to kind of find that thing in, in this one that that just clicked a little bit. Yeah. So when you say like you were... I don't know if concerned was the word that you use, but on, on some of the instrumental uh, stuff, like what in particular, because I, one thing I really like, but it took me a little bit of time to like it as much as I do now is that the, uh, the intro, the lead is like a little bit, is a little bit buried, but I, I do like that about it. Yeah. I mean, Neil came up with a really, with a different feel or I maybe maybe collectively we did, but it's really informed by Neil's drum part mm-hmm. on, on that like intro, you know, because it's kind of like pretty kick drummy. It's not like a big open beat that yeah. it comes in with. And initially, it just sounded soft in the wrong way, you know, like it mm-hmm. sounded. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a. 
I can't remember. Like we were talking about in the studio, but it's like, it just sounded like, uh, like a rock band without the rock, uh-huh. you know, without like yeah. the, without the, without the just kicking in and making mm-hmm. you like feel the song. You just like, it wasn't, you couldn't feel it in your bones at all. You know what I'm saying? Right. And get that like crash. Right. And so like, there's parts of the song that have more like bad religion style chords. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like kind of power cordy and uh um you know some of the changes are sort of inspired by by bad religion i would say a little bit and like the mm-hmm. verses and like at the end certainly yeah. there's a kind of like ban and 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 you know mm-hmm. and and i love obviously like no no surprise that like brennan and i grew up on that and we love those components and like yeah. figuring it and so like i think the song had a little bit of in the studios like those there was a tension there that was not working initially mm-hmm. between like this kind of like softer open with this melodic guitar guitar line you know kind of airy and open mm-hmm. and then these other chords that were a little more like driving and so it just took some figuring out some of like that like like now it feels like textural but you can feel the kick drum and like those things make sense now to me but yeah. it took a while to I think it took a while to get there. And I mean, those, those are the types of thing, cool things that happen in the studio. Like if you heard the, the just acoustic demo of this song, you know, you could probably make a pretty easy imaginative leap to what that sounds like, you know, just like sure. pretty like, uh, you know, like just like that, that same tempo, but really just kind of driving and like going through and like making songs more dynamic in the studio, like just requires, working through some things that don't work in terms of the sonic nature of certain parts. And so there was some problem solving there, I think on the, um, on how some of those things were coming through and then like some of the contrast and everything. And so it's a, I mean, it's a big Testament to the, everybody else's like input to what me, to what, how the song comes together. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, the bass lines in, in under Paris are really become like really like, like columns in the song. They hold the song together and like the drums create lots of, um, you know, contrast and differentiation in parts that didn't really exist on the acoustic demo. And then, you know, the way Matt mixed it, Mm. you know, really pulls it all together and, and, makes those things things feel seamless, but there are, you know, these different elements that really, you know, come together to create a, a like unity in the sound. Mm -hmm. And anyway, you know, (laughs) no, this is, that's fucking awesome. I'm really stoked to listen back now. And I, I think like put all of that together. Um, I really love the way you have that break and just that, like, sort of like caterwaul of noise that comes to bring you into the bridge, which is then like has these really nice acoustic textures on both sides. It's really, really nice moment. Cool. I don't know that one. uh, Yeah. Um, I also think that that under Paris, like it is, in the procession of themes and 
um, different things going on on this record. This one really, uh, I don't know, kind of ca- encapsulates a lot of what I feel like this record is about. And mm-hmm. like certainly the songs that I was collecting kind of, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of like a crescendo moment with this tune particularly for me. I think mm-hmm. uh, like, actually it was the last one that I finished for the record. And that kind of makes sense to me and how I, mm-hmm. how I got my songs done was like, this was really like the, a little bit of like the, uh, you know, the final page. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. That does make, I think that adds a lot to it too, especially just the, like the way it ends with the sort of, here's where I'll be. If you find yeah. me. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Paris. I mean, I think that's one of Chris's like best songs. Just full stop. Yeah, it, this song is terrific. Um, it's weird. I feel like this one is actually a little bit more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It creates. Uh, some people love it and some people don't. Interesting. Is what I'm trying to is what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh. And I've always been surprised when people have said that they don't love this one because I love it and I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um there's uh a few things about this song that I think are interesting. For one, we tried to do cuz we had like the access to all those beautiful instruments. Mm-hmm. In um, in Sonic Ranch, and there was like a very classic acoustic guitar, and Chris did do an acoustic over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember, <laughs> and I'm sure he might have just said this in the in the thing that you. I think he played. referred to it, but or and, and I was whatever like, you're about to say. Yeah. This, I'm like. When it was done, I was like, man, it sounds good. But it sounds like kind of like a banging Counting Crows song right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I thought this song came a little bit harder than this. <laughs> you know? like, uh-huh. and, Chris, and Chris was like... <laughs> I mean, it's... <laughs> you know, I mean, like, this is like my... My fucking one of my two main mentors, you know, like we like get each other hundred percent. And he's like and I was like, That that's not bad. He's like, It's not bad, it's not what this song should be. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so we talked it through, um, and we decided to just leave it in that that bridge after yeah. um the second like sort of or the third i guess instrumental interlude or i believe it's the third yeah 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 
um, it's so weird to talk about these songs because I don't know them nearly as well as I know other Lawrence Arm songs because right, I've never you haven't played them live. Played them live. <laughs> so I apologize if I'm, but um, uh, so that was really funny and like we took it out and all of a sudden the guitars like kind of bloomed and I think. I could be mistaken about this, but I think Chris was like, oh, yeah, now I actually want to do a few more things with the electric guitarist. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and it just really, I don't know, it's, you know, Toby Jag always talks about addition by subtraction. Yeah. Um, When he talks about, uh, like, some more I'm trying to, like, you know, dive into a shark tank. (laughs) <laughs> you know and uh-huh. like in in a suit of armor you know or something like that and be like look the, the sharks can't get through my armor and then he dies because he can't swim out because <laughs> the armor is too heavy you know <laughs> and he's like that's, that's so good that's societal addition by subtraction mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and it's not often that i've seen it in like an actually like pragmatic way but but uh but yeah, uh, we we added all this stuff, including this beautiful acoustic that Chris played very well. We subtracted it, and it just like sort of made the whole song bloom, for lack of a better term. And uh, and I, I'm I'm really pleased with it. I hope that's very similar to what he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the other on the other side. Um, yeah, he he didn't quite spell it out. He left out the counting crows part. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, you know what's funny is that like he actually <laughs> went back and referenced that several times during the session. So I like I I know that he like got that vibe. I mean, I don't know if there, maybe that's something that like is more like left in the writer's room or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, but, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I just think it's funny to like, um, and I mean, you know, that's what you do when you make uh, a piece of art is like, you try everything you can. And mm-hmm. sometimes you go, huh, I didn't think we sounded like the counting crows. And then, you know, your collaborator goes, I didn't want us to, and then you change things, you know. So, I, like, I hope it doesn't sound insulting whatsoever. I mean, it was just like the attempt we were making to make this song uh, the best we could, and uh, it was it was really cool. The other thing is the back and forth and the "We Are Wolves" thing. Mm-hmm. At the end, I did it like twice as much. On the demo, but there was, I was under the distinct impression that I was doing it too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I parsed it down and the way that it came out now, I feel like it seems much more like. I don't know, kind of like dizzying and like, mm-hmm. um, before it was like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but not, it would be like, 
We are wolves, we are wolves, we are wolves, we are wolves. We chase the light of the moon. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then and then I would start the next one. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like, and maybe like in hindsight, it was a little too simple. I was like, still, I think, clinging to the. Ocal cut a metropole mm-hmm. template of like let's just sing everything together as much as we can, and mm-hmm. there's a certain point where it just became obvious that that's not what everybody was feeling, and I'm <laughs> the loudmouth that wants to sing as much as he can, you know, <laughs> like with everyone, you know, but uh, but so so like to pare that down, I chose my spots and I feel like in this in this song that's like sort of about like a sort of a chaotic night of people like running through like dark European streets or mm-hmm. you know like wolves that the like the sort of like slightly dizzying effect of like where those vocals are placed is pretty cool yeah uh you know and to in credit to Neil and Matt and Chris that it should have been less. Right. You know? Yeah. There are four and a half perfect Counting Crow songs, believe it or not. But it's true. I don't believe it at all. <laughs> um, yeah, man, this is like... I just love the way there's there's a lot of hope on this song. You know, the uh the idea that's like maybe we'll find each other one day is Yeah, I think it's a testament to how fucked up the universe is that you think that that's hopeful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cuz like if my wife said that to me, I'd be like, well, that's the end of me. Because <laughs> I currently live in a house with her, you know? <laughs> so I don't know that I find that to be a hopeful scenario. And that's the best case scenario, by the way. Right. Uh, the scenario that I feel like is here is like, Something terrible is happening, and we're all scattering. And for whatever reason, we can't scatter together. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, I don't know. It's it's got a real, uh, being that lady from The Mandalorian, (laughs) uh, being into MAGA thing. This is our podcast. It's called Road to the Skeleton Coast. We <laughs> have been having a lot of fun. Hey. <laughs> uh, we appreciate all you joining us. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a, a five-star rating and a review. And tell all your friends. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash bettersandwich. If you want to support our 
efforts here. It, uh, it gives us a, a nice incentive to keep on doing it. Not that we need it, because this guy, me, you and me. That's right. Woo! Um, we'll wrap up this record, I guess, then next week. Beautiful. We're looking Beautiful. forward to it. We'll see you then. Thank you, friends. Bye, everybody.